0: Hi there, this episode is an audio rip of a YouTube video. If there are any references to the screen or to the video itself, then be sure to go over to YouTube and actually check out the video, which will be the same title as this podcast. Thanks. Okay, now I'm going to do part seven and i was thinking about doing a video for every single part to go into all the details but to be perfectly honest if you've gone through all these other videos and you've got now an understanding on how the regulations is designed and how it's actually meant to be used you could probably go off on your own at this point quite easily let's remember that part seven is special installations and locations it's certain unique scenarios where the General fundamental principles and general content of the one regulations is applicable But maybe these certain scenarios require extra definition extra levels of control extra considerations There are many of them And um, you know, it's quite easy when you look at them to to understand why they are considered as special locations But when you actually look in a special location, um, for example, let's just quickly look at 701 Let's remember that the regulation numbers match the main document with just the section in front. So I have a scope, and then I have assessment of general characteristics. So it's the part three content of the book, but it's a bit more of part three for just bathrooms. So it's 701.3. And then there's a classification of external influence, and then it's given reference to the fact that With regards to external influences in general, we must consider zonal concepts. We must recognise in bathrooms that there is a presence of water and electrical equipment in this area needs to be uh, controlled in a zonal manner. This is obviously the same for fountains and for um, swimming pools and slightly similar for saunas. So you then have a description of the zones. Uh, I, can, I can move a slide here, so here we go. This is obviously um, an illustration of the swimming pool, but you get the same idea. So it's a description of the zone. So bear in mind this slide is actually zonal concepts in general for all kind of areas. This isn't the bathrooms that we're looking at here. This is just an illustration of the swimming pool one. When you're looking at the zones, though, you have the description of zone zero. So that's inside the tub. And in the case of swimming pools, it's inside the swimming pool, flush with the standing level. Then you have zone 1. Now, in a bathroom, this is the finished floor level. And a horizontal plane corresponding to the highest fixed shower head or water outlet. Or the horizontal plane lying 2.25 metres above the finished floor level, whichever is higher. So, I haven't got an illustration of that here. Actually, I can probably use this one. There you go, so here's here's a bathroom, here's zone here's zone zero. Now, the standing point you go to, because bear in mind, it's, it's not necessarily from floor level, a lot of people measure from floor level, but when you're in a bath, you're actually higher up. Yeah? So, if you read it, yeah, it's it's uh, f- above the finished floor level, whichever is higher. Now, the finished floor level, you may think is this, but, You need to remember that there is consideration of this change there. But anyway, you measure two point two five meters up. But if you have a water outlet for a shower which is higher than that line, then you push the zone up to there. I mean, to be honest, the easiest way to actually do uh, understand these is to look in the uh, illustrations. So if you turn to page. 244, you've got an illustration of these. Zone 0 is in the tub and zone 1 is above the tub to a height of 2.25 meters. You'll notice in the illustration there is a little uh, star at the bottom of the tub and it does say right at the bottom of the page, zone 1 if the space is accessible without the use of a tool. Okay so under the bath, so you're in the bath and you can reach under it that is zone 1 if you do not need to use a tool to access underneath there. If you do need a tool, it's not a zone. Zone 2 is described as The finished floor level and the horizontal plane corresponding to the highest fixed shower, head or water outlet or horizontal plane line 2.25 metres above the finished floor level whichever is higher which basically means the same height as zone 1 and then 0.6 meters from the edge of zone 1 so what it, what it is it's, uh, it's the same height as zone 1 but 60 centimeters away from the bath so it's reaching out from the bath once you identify those zones and again there, there are zones also for swimming pools yeah obviously the zone 0 is flush floor, uh, floor level Zone one in the swimming pool is 2.5 meters from any standing point, including on a diving board. Two meters away, and then zone two is another one and a half meters away. It's all in the illustrations given. Once you've identified these zones in these types of locations, we can then um, control the use of electrical equipment, switch gear, control gear, Yeah. And the voltages even that we will allow in these areas. Which we're gonna see in a minute. We've also got then So that's that's the 701.3, the assessment general characteristics section of this. We then have the protection for safety section of 701, 701.4. And let's remember the general protected measures. We had ADS, automatic disconnection of supply, we had double or reinforced insulation, we had self-impel for made electrical separation. This was all done in Chapter 41, in Part 4. So, is there any restriction to those protective measures here? What does it say? Well, it says the protective measures of obstacles and placing out of reach shall not be used, and non-conducting and earth-free local bonding shall not be used. That makes sense. If you remember, those types... Were actually for locations under strict control with skilled or instructed persons they're not general protective measures so we're allowed the general protective measures that i've just mentioned additional protection 411.3.3 additional protection by the use of one or more rcds having the characteristics specified in 415.1.1 will be provided for all low voltage circuits that serve the location, the bath, you know, so the lighting and the shower and all of that stuff, but also any circuits that pass through zones one and zone two, but don't necessarily serve the location themselves. Let's remember that additional protection was actually a part of protection against electric shock chapter 41 hopefully you're starting to see the regulation numbers relate to the main text okay so 701.41 all that content is about automatic disconnection of supply okay well the uh, protection against electric shock four one three refers to electrical separation and it says it'll only be used for one item of equipment or one single socket outlet this is your everyday shaver. With selv or pelv, it allows selv or pelv. It does say though, we will need to achieve basic installation complying with 416.1 or barriers enclosures complying with 416.2, which is, you know, we covered that way back in um, part uh, chapter 41. It was saying things like, you know, the insulation shall be removed by destruction or with a, you know the use of a cure at all. It would not be uh, easy to remove and the enclosure itself would be to at least IP2X uh, ingress protection as well. This is not a consideration of the environment at this point. That doesn't mm-hmm. refer to the external influences. Those are coming up in a minute. That just refers to the requirement for insulation for self and pelve systems. We then have the supplementary bonding mentioned, so local supplementary bonding according to 415.2 can be established connecting together the terminals of the protective conductor each circuit, supplying class 1 and class 2 equipment to the accessible extreme conductive parts within the room, and it gives you some examples of these connections. It may be installed outside or inside rooms containing a bath or a shower, preferably close to the point of entry of extraneous conductive paths into such rooms. So, if you've got a bathroom and right next to it is a, you know, like a, an airing cupboard or a, you know, with your immersion cylinder and all the pipework really that goes into the bathroom is coming from that cupboard, you can do your supplementary bonding in that cupboard. Okay. Where a location containing a bath or shower is in a building with a protective equipotential bonding system in accordance with 411.3.1.2, which is, you know, everyday house kind of scenario, supplementary protective equipotential bonding may be emitted where all of the following conditions are met. So this is, you know, do we need to do supplementary bonding anymore? If all final circuits of the location comply with the requirements for automatic disconnection according to the regulation 411.3.2, so, we did this in chapter 41 TN system, TT system, ZS's. Is automatic disconnection in an earth fault condition achievable? If that's a yes, good. All final circuits of the location have additional protection by means of an RCD in accordance with Form 5.1.1. Well, we need that because there was a regulation further up the page that told us we needed that. So, that's a given. And then the last one here all extraneous conductive parts of the location are effectively. Connected to the protective equipotential bonding according to 411.3.1.2. The effectiveness of the connection of the extraneous conductive parts in the location to the main earthing terminal may be assessed when necessary by the application of Regulation 415.2.2. And without going all the way back to it, just I'll just remind you we've covered this in a few videos now. If we want to determine the effectiveness of earthing and bonding and if we actually need to have supplementary bonding introduced, what we need to do is carry a value of resistance measurement between two positions which are simultaneously accessible within the location. So if I was to stand here and I could touch towel rail, which has a let's say, let's just pretend that this towel rail has a CPC on a cable going to a flex outlet. And I could simultaneously touch a pipe leading up to the sink and I'll be like, ooh, do I need to do a supplementary bond between the two? So i have to say, right, what is the where's the conductor that will actually, you know, carry an earth fault current? Well that's in the radiator, because that's the one with the exposed conductive part. This pipe is an extraneous conductive part. We covered this back in chapter fifty four with supplementary bonding. Now, what I'd say is right, how much current will result in disconnection here in an earth fault condition? Well, I can actually discover, you know, the the overcurrent protected device, and I can go to the time curve characteristics in Appendix Four. But to be honest, as this will require 30 milliampacity protection, we know it's going to trip at 30 milliamp in an earth fault, because that's that's that you know that's how it's going to have to be set up. So if I know it'll have to trip a 30 milliamp, which is 0.03 amp, and I know that the value of voltage in a earth fault scenario shall not exceed 50 volts I'm back to the Ohm's law formula that we have mentioned a few times in this series so it's just Ohm's law the 50 volts maximum divided by the amount of current that is required to disconnect the RCD of 30 milliamp 50 over 0.03 gives us this number of 1667 ohms and so what you do is you would stand here and you'd measure between this and between this you get a, res- a resistance measurement. If it is greater than one six six seven ohms, then what you then do is you re- you you rearrange this formula in your head. You say right, and I'll just do it now. Let's say let's say it's let's say it's not one six six seven ohms, but is instead uh, let's say it's two two and a half um, kilo ohms, so two thousand five hundred ohm. I can just throw that into Ohm's law. The current won't change, so I know Ohm's law V I R the current won't change to disconnect the device. So I'll just do 2,500, which is the value of resistance I have measured, R, times the current required to disconnect, 0.03. And that tells me the V, which is the value of voltage that will be present in this fault condition. And that's 75. So I can't allow that. This is why I would have to introduce, if I had 2.5, killer ohm, I'd then have to put in supplementary bonding. If I had anything less than 1667, then I don't have to because I know that the characteristics of that circuit it's not going to achieve 50 volts or greater. So it's quite a simple process, just needs to break it down to ohms law really. That goes from 701.4 which is the protection for safety area. We're now going to to 701.5 which is the selection and erection considerations with the funny external influences that this unique location has. So we have external influences, 701.512.2, and it's fairly, fairly obvious really. It says in an equipment installed in zone zero, which is obviously gonna be immersed, it's IPX7, and in zones one and two, IPX4. It then says though, further down, that if the equipment is exposed to water jets, such as a power shower or something like that, or there's cleaning going on, then the higher power of the water would need it to go up from IPX4 to IPX5. So that's a simple, uh, and again, this is only for the zones. You don't need, if you had a shaver socket over here, it doesn't have to be an IP4X, IPX6, whatever shaver socket, uh, because it's not in an area that is considered to be exposed to the splashes we're talking about just this area here what else do we need to consider the erection of switch gear control gear and accessories according to the external influence that is there now let's break those three things down switch gear is equipment that you switch that seems simple doesn't it okay but there is a difference between equipment that you don't need to actually touch to run an equipment that requires you to turn it on also control gear you know to vary or to adjust the setting it requires you to interact with it if equipment is just current using equipment and you don't have to touch it we can actually allow a slightly higher uh, value of voltage for example to that equipment but if it requires your interaction in a bath it's going to be even tightly uh tightly it's going to be more tightly controlled with these uh selve voltages and other methods so what are the restrictions well in zone zero switch gear or accessories shall not be installed so the only thing left is current using equipment yeah it actually tells you that under current use equipment in zone zero current use equipment shall only be installed provided it is allowing the requirement the final requirements are met the current complies with relevant standards It's fixed and permanently connected, so not on a plug and socket or anything. And is supplied by a voltage of self, which is, again, the safest uh, protective measure that we have. Electrically isolated, extra low voltage. Not very practical when we're doing a lot of work, but in the bathroom it's okay. But they've restricted the voltage even further. So it's self, but to 12 volts. So it's a lowered version of self. With regards to backup to switch gear and control gear, in Zone 1, we can have switches, but they must be self to 12 volts. And In Zone 2, we can have switch gear, incorporating switches and socket outlets, will not be installed, with the exception of switches and sockets of self-circuits, with the safety source being outside of the zones, or shaver supply units, which is the um, the, uh, the, the exception for Zone 2. Charge using equipment zone one. Only the following fixed and permanently connected equipment can be installed: so whirlpool units, electric showers, shower pumps, ventilation equipment, towel rails, water heating appliances, and luminaires. You are not allowed to put a shaving unit in zone one. It must be in zone two or beyond. So, and then the last bit there is electric floor heating systems, which I'm not going to go into for too much detail. Just have a little read of that. But hopefully we've just gone through 701 you've come to understand that it's all about identifying the characteristics that make it a unique scenario, a unique environment, a unique type of installation. But then recognise that it actually just supports the rest of the book. So there's a 701.3, then there's a 701.4 and a 701.5. As you go through the other sections, you'll see similar things. Um, Swimming pools have a very similar layout. Um, I'm going to very, very briefly go through that. 702, there's a zonal concept under assessment of general characteristics. Yes, because of the presence of the water. You then have the restrictions of these zones. So further down, application of the protective measure against electric shock. 702, because we're in in swimming pools here, dot 4. So if anyone hasn't caught up yet, I'm on page 245, section 702 now. So it says in zone 0 and 1 we are allowed in zone only 0 only self of 12 volts. So in zone 0 only self of 12 volts. And then other than fountains in zone 1 we can have 25 volts. Then there's restrictions on equipment being self or an RCD. Then you have fountains mentioned, which is zone 0 and 1. There is no zone 2 for fountains. And as mentioned there with zone 2 about following protective measures shall be employed. So you have self in zone 0, 1 and 2 with an RCD and just an RCD and electrical separation using an isolating transformer. The protective measure of obstacles and placing out of reach is not to be used. The protective measure of earthing and non-conducting location and earth-free bonding is not to be used. Supplementary bonding in this scenario must be installed Must be installed and it Used to be That's not here now. There used to be an illustration of this. I think it's in our guides notes 8 now But it details all the things that should be connected together, but everything in the environment needs to be supplementary bonded You have the external influences again the same thing 702.5.1 uh, 512.2 in this case though zone 0 is ipx8 not ipx7 due to obviously the submersion the, the increased bit of pressure zone 1 ipx4 x5 if there's jets and zone 2 ipx2 for indoor ipx4 for outdoor and ipx5 for jets there's a number of scenarios there what i'll say what i'll say now is from an exam perspective your in your exam, you'll have ten or twelve or ten is it or twelve questions on part seven, right towards the end, just before just before you know your time runs out. Every question in this area starts with a very big clue. It'll be you know the word swimming pool or the word sauna or the word caravan, which gives you that huge trigger to go to that very 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 fine section in the regulations. Okay. So, probably if you have any questions from part 7, the first place to go to, if you're not aware of the actual layout of part 7, is page 239, where you've got your list of of special installations and locations. And if you get a question that says like about a medical location, you can then come here and you can see, okay, 710. And then when you're in 710, you've got to think about what the question actually is trying to say. Now, I'm going to go through another video after these, just to show you how I read questions and how I interpret them in the exam. But if you understand the regulations the way we've been talking about it, it shouldn't be too hard. Don't look for the exact wording. Understand the area. And that's what's going to happen in Part 7. So it'll mention a medical location, but then may say it may it then may refer to a socket outlet, which is a selection of equipment. It's, and then in there, there'll be socket outlets. I think that's actually, there's a common one that goes around right now about the colour of socket outlets in Group 1 medical locations. So it's an identification of colour. Um, which again, I mean if you're wondering what that is, I go to 710, page 275, and I'm thinking, right, this is about the selection of a socket. So I'm not going to be in 710.1, I'm not going to be in 710.3, I'm not going to be in 710.4, I'm going to be in 710.5, it's a selection question. So I go to 710.5, and then I think about the 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 further thing, this is referring to socket outlets, so maybe there's a bit on socket outlets now if I remember the main book when we were in part five and we did common rules and then we did wiring systems we did cabling and then we did we did all these things and you know you know switch types but then we did one called um other equipment and that had accessories and socket outlets and and it had uh rotating machines and things like that and that was stop five five. That's it's chapter 55. So if I look at 710.55, then let's get there. 710.52, five two so five three five five. so 5.5, that's other equipment. Oh, okay, and it's actually there. Socket outlets in medical IT systems, All right? And if you go through there, there should be a color referenced. And it is actually the bottom line of that page, page 279, the bottom line. It says blue, okay? Now, you don't have to know that they, ha- that they have to be blue. What you need to know is how if you're asked a question referring to a socket outlet in a medical location, you need to understand that that's a unique area of the book and that the selection of a socket outlet refers to part five and other equipment. It's nothing to do with protection. It's not protecting against electric shock, it's not protecting against thermal effects, it's not protecting against overcurrent, it's not protecting against vulture stones, it's a selection scenario. And then if you think about the selection setup, it's an accessory and it's a socket outlet. So it's in the fifty-five par. This is how you need to get an understanding on the way BS seven six seven one works, and if you can achieve that instead of hunting down for the the answers and stuff, then you're gonna be absolutely fine. And you'll actually find the book useful moving on forwards. Okay, just to summarise some of the other parts that parts the other ways part seven works. So we've talked about the zonal concept right now, and then we've looked through seven hundred one. We've talked about external influences and things like that. Other things that are highlighted: there's a lot of use of RCDs in part seven. Uh, that's because obviously they provide um, additional protection most of the time. And they were always, if you actually remember where additional protection was used in Chapter 41, it was um, where there's carelessness by users or there are certain other external influences. We also used RCDs for protection against fire. So there may be a fire risk um, if you go to uh, Exhibition Shows and Stands, uh, which I think is Seven Eleven. 11 Yes. Um, there's a bit in here about that. Uh, so yeah, you also had mention of RCDs in Seven Eleven for... Uh, 300 in requirements. So there's a lot of push for RCDs, and you know there's always a, a different reasons to why. But quite often this scenario is there's a risk, and the solution is RCDs. That happens a lot in bf uh, 7671 There's RCDs for particular electric shock. There's some more examples there. Just just as you see them in the book, and you'll notice you know the sections the sections change. But it's still referring to 41, which is protecting its electric shock. In that same with supplementary bonding, uh, we've just mentioned bathrooms may or may not be needed in swimming pools, they are needed in agricultural and horticultural, they are needed in medical locations, they are needed. So, yeah, so you know, but again, in all scenarios where they're mentioned as a you must have this, they're going to be. You know the number of the section dot four and five dot two. IP ratings are also used throughout part seven because again the changing external influences moisture, water, uh, dust, yeah. So there's a uh, you know bathrooms we had IPX7, IPX4 for zone one, zone two IPX4, uh, zone three not applicable etc. We have a zone three by the way in sauna heaters, saunas. Um, there's no zone zero. In this case we have. Um, Zone 1, which is the area of the heater itself, and zone 2, which is the ground floor, and zone 3 is the part above. Um, i going to check that I've just said that correctly. Yeah, there's an illustration that on page 255. But um, again, any question in this area would say a sauna heater or something like that. Um, there is, if you are looking on page 255, there is a little list of things that are required in the zones, zones 1, 2, and 3 above. And do note that zone 3 does detail the limits of the operating te- of the temperatures of the of the equipment and the wiring systems. Okay, So that's also worth noting. <clears throat> we also have um, mentions on the erection of a wiring system, whether it be <coughs> a strict type of wiring system, or it could be Overhead cabling, um, buried cabling. Now we mentioned um, hmm. we mentioned a few videos ago about you know burying a cable only you know there's no there's no announced depth um, in BS seven six seven one. It just says you know sufficient to avoid damage. But um, if you actually go to um, agricultural horticultural, it will give you a depth. If you go to caravan parks, it will give you a height. Um, so there are specified heights and depths through parts of Um, Special locations. Uh, Some more examples of RCDS for um, other than for additional protection, which we just touched on. Really, five hundred milliamp is used in construction sites for thirty-two amps. We have three hundred milliamp and three hundred milliamp here for fire protection purposes. In uh, agriculture, horticulture, we also have three hundred milliamp for. Well, in agricultural horticulture we have 300 130 so they you know they're very fond of rcds in agricultural installations okay so you'll notice you know the area will still be with regards to protection against electric shock 41 this one on the other hand this must be for protection against thermal effect because it's 42 not 41 and you can see it's actually a fire protection need so yeah so the regulation number tells you itself. I mean, if you don't even need to see the sentence, you know this. This is for fire because it's forty-two. It's not forty-one. Uh, Socket outlet positioning. When you have pitch sockets, such as caravan sites or marinas, or the new one, the obviously the um, inland navigational vessels one. You know, pitch sockets. We need to know that there's a requirement of the height, there's a requirement of the quantity of sockets in the in the pitch. So, you know, there must be at least one per pitch and they'll have individual overcurrent protection, individual RCD protection, and things like that. Just read and familiarise yourself with the layout. Okay? Uh, do remember, if you have something regarding, if you have a question, for example, that reg- that mentions the height of the outlet of the caravan, That's not the caravan site pitch. That's the caravan's outlet. So refer to, in the question, what it's referring to as to what your location is. Make sure you get your location correct. Okay. Uh, I mean, I could really spend hours going through all the finer parts of this, but I do think if you think about it generally, it'll be very easy to navigate and it'll be very, very easy to understand. Medical locations does kind of... Kind of do its own thing because of the standards that it's used. It's got its own definitions reference. <clears throat> in uh, part two, it has groups within it: group zero, one, and two locations where applied parts are used or not used. Um, An applied part being obviously a piece of equipment that's going to go into your body. Now, if you imagine being in a hospital and you're stuck there on the bed or whatever, and then there's something shoved up the, the, the yeah. Imagine if the power goes out, and you know, if the loss of power is going to result in danger for yourself, then we would consider this a Group Two location. So you know, failure of the supply can cause danger to life. So maybe this is the this thing's keeping you alive, for example. If it's up there, but it, the power going off doesn't really create a danger, then it's not a problem, but it is a bit of a nuisance, and that's a Group One. And Group Zero is you know, there's nothing going anywhere in you, uh, and so if there's a loss of supply, unless there's some other reason we're not really considering it as a substantial danger, and if you remember safety services, which we did at the end of part 5 chapter 56, we talked about classification and we previewed 7.10 so have a good look through there have a good look at the classification part which will be 5 6, I'd assume trying to think about it let's get there dot. Five six, so that's going to be the safety services. So five six o dot four is the uh, classification part. But yeah, familiarise yourself with the layout. There's a lot of a lot of content in seven ten. Um, some of it is quite specific. There's good mention on IMDs, insulation monitoring devices. There's even an illustration of it being used on an IT system. Very good illustration of a of an IT system with an isolating, sorry, with a an imp, uh, high impedance on there. We have equipment on the IT system, and this shows you the layout of the monitoring system that will be going around the actual conductors. Let's remind ourselves, the IT system is designed to work so that in the case of the first fault condition, a high impedance high impedance in the earth results in an earth fault of very, very low current, resulting in no disconnection. So a single earth fault condition can occur, and then this monitoring system will pick that up, and it'll have an alarm. Yeah. So the IT systems are, you know, extensively used in these locations. All right. Um, I'm more than happy to kind of talk more about part seven, if needed. But I think, I think, a lot of it is self-evident as you go through. Yeah, caravans, caravan parts, marinas, extra low voltage installations, electric charging points. The electric charging points content is dis- It's not the same as the IT's kind of practice uh, at the moment. So where that's gonna go, who knows? It's not quite the same, slight differences there. And then 7.30 is the new one for 18th onshore units, electrical shore connections for inland navigational vessels. which is a long way of saying narrow boats and similar. But, uh, yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to stop this video at this point because I think, I think if you remind yourself of the layout of the regulations, the intent and the, you know, the fundamental principles you can take each one of these special occasions just read them a couple of times to understand the the intent of the book the intent of the section and then you can just come back to it later on don't forget though as i said you know in your assessment any questions from this part of the book will have the keyword be it exhibitions be it transport unit be it a swimming pool you know and so you know don't don't overdo it with this if anything put your time into sitting back and just reminding yourself of how the books laid out and where that chapter 43 was and what that meant where the chapter 52 was and what that covered try to try to promote yourself with the structure and the layout of the book that way over anything else because then in the exam or any assessment or any need in the future you can always just say okay you know that's the wrong protective device it's not achieving Fire protection, okay, Device protection against thermal effects. And you know exactly where to go then if you break things down and you talk, you know, you think of it that way. Um, I'll do one more video covering the appendixes, which is going to be a very, very brief flick through. And then I'll probably do one last video where I'll talk through questions and I'll just show you how I approach them. And then what I'll probably do is then close it up and hand it over and I will just then... You know, set up some streams to support this in the Facebook group, and then I'll start. You know, putting more content in there, some uh, resources and some downloads and some training questions and some answers, and I'll just be there more. Now that this is online and it's there for you guys to consume at your own pace. But uh, yeah, um, you know, if you feel that this past seven was a bit rushed, then fine. Uh, Let me know if there's anything specific you want me to cover. But otherwise, we could have spent three or four hours in here and I really don't think that you guys need to considering how we've already approached the rest of the book I'm sure we'll be fine alright, yeah see you in the next video